Well, before we pick up on some of the themes we've been exploring, um, we were just talking about uh, ways of getting into space. And Barry was bringing up uh, space elevators. <laughs> and like you, you put a satellite out at some like stable orbit, and then you drop a cable down, and you can have uh, machines crawl up and down the cable, like carrying the cargo. So you don't have elevators. To... Yeah, little elevators. And I was wondering if uh, artificial spider silk could be strong enough to do the job. And if through some sort of, um, as, as a wild thought, like what if you actually just like designed the elevators to actually have a lot of the affordance properties of spiders, including even like inspecting and laying down new silk at places where like you need to shore up the cable. Um, that would be uh, creepy and awesome. So <laughs> and, and very economical because it wouldn't have to overcome gravity to, I mean, you wouldn't need fuel, a lot of fuel to overcome gravity. Uh, it would be, um, uh, you could use an electric motor to climb, to climb the cable. And then if you launched, uh, if there was a, uh, a station there where you could launch the plane from there, then you would uh, save a tremendous amount of fuel uh, in overcoming the gravity to get the plane up there. And um, if they could just launch from space and then uh, go intercontinental, they would go much faster because of the uh, lack of air resistance. And uh, it would be much, much more economical uh, because it would just be the acceleration, the lateral acceleration mainly, um, without having to overcome gra gra gravity all the time. So it could be much more, much faster than uh, current uh, jet travel, much higher, much higher up without, uh, you know, uh, uh, above the atmosphere uh, in the stratosphere and much faster and much cheaper. So it could really revolutionize um, travel. You get to Europe in a couple of hours or to Australia in, uh, in just a few hours. So it's really, uh, it could be uh, the idea of having um, this, uh, not, this stable uh, satellite with a, with a cable from Earth, uh, platform on Earth to up to the, up to the uh, satellite and used as, a, as an elevated cable would be really uh, a fantastic idea. I'm not sure if artificials, uh, artificial spider silk is up to the job, but um, in terms of me getting fixated on spiders, Barry then brought up that uh, they lay down two kinds of silk. Um, right. One is a sticky silk that they use for catching prey, and another is a less sticky silk that they use for- Non-sticky, non non-sticky non at all. Non-sticky. And um, I was they wondering, use, yeah, I was wondering how do they know which is it, which? Is yeah. it that there's like a reflex arc that, tend, that like somehow gives them a sign? Or do they, and then Mary's like, well, maybe they have actually memories of where they lay down which one and not mutually exclusive, but um, that would be like, either one would be interesting. And so then. It so could then, also be, it, it could also be that they, they sense the chemical difference between the uh, sticky and the non-sticky. They walk along, they, they use the, the, uh, uh, the non-sticky silk as their, as their path to get to the predators. So they don't walk, they don't, they themselves don't walk on the sticky part. Um, and uh, so maybe, the, maybe there's, there's sensors in their feet that, uh, you know, we were talking, is it, do they, do they have memory of which, which cable they laid down and, um, 
or or do they uh, uh, do they have some kind of you say a reflex or do they have some kind of um, can they tell the difference chemically do they have sensors in their feet that tell the chemical difference between the uh, the sticky type and the non-sticky type and then uh, they they use that information I, but I never I never code. underestimate I never underestimate the the intelligence of of insects you know there's this famous uh, case that Tinbergen studied of of the uh, of the digger wasp that is a little wasp just a few centimeters long that lays uh, that lays it's about a dozen eggs around the perimeter of a large lake and uh, on the shore uh, it, it so it digs it digs a hole and lays an egg and then goes on to another region and uh, digs another hole, lays another egg and uh, all around the perimeter of the lake. And then uh, every day it comes back to each hole and feeds the developing larvae. And the question that he asked is how do they know where this little uh, burrow is these 12 different burrows around the perimeter of the lake, how do they know? How do they remember it? So what he did was a very simple experiment of he rearranged pebble, the pebbles that were around the, the burrows. And then the wasps could not find the burrows. So that was evidence that they learn the configuration of the land around each of their 12 burrows and they come back to it every day that's a wasp with a countable number of neurons talk about memory i wonder if that's um so the form the memory takes like is it um a series of let's say like um trajectories like something maybe like scaffolded like a by like what's it called the um the mushroom bodies or is it potentially like something with like the central complex like which seems almost like quasi hippocampal like actually having something more map like in terms of like or like in having like a graph that can be navigated because like there's like it gives like a spatial salience it, it's almost like it, it seems like a, like a hybrid of like the was it the, the tectum for like orienting and or the colliculus and the campus like is it actually in that little architecture is it or is it both so it's like how like how did how many ways is this I, engineered how degenerative I, yeah i i don't know i mean that that would be a wonderful study because with such a few number of neurons i mean any any number any any of the symptoms you know, take the simplest part of the of the mammalian brain a tectum or the um uh, you know, the, the so-called simpler brainstem. And, you know, if they're doing it that way, it still has, um, you know, uh, orders of many orders of magnitude more neurons than the, than the neurons in the, in the wasp. So whatever it's doing, uh, I mean, can you imagine if you can do that kind of spatial recognition and memory with, with the, 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 the limit, the countable number of, neurons in a wasp brain uh imagine what a computer could do using that same kind of um circuitry is, is the digger wasp the one that has like 
only like a few thousand and it's like because like bees i think it's like a couple hundred thousand but digger well, i don't i i don't know i, I know I there's some series of wasps or hornet or something where it's like they really only have small. a the really small number i know but, yeah but i guess what i'm I, wondering is it's like in terms of like species to study in terms of um like maximal purchase like when we go to c elegans uh i'm wondering if it's like you don't you see some of the same principles there with like because they have even fewer but potentially there's even like more like genetic complexity and it's less general purpose in terms of like chaining together the oscillators just so but like when you get to insects they seem to have these like analogs maybe even slightly homologs of the core vertebrate structures but really microsized so like to what extent can we get purchase and understanding like the ways like brainstem and or thalamus or hippocampal systems like function by studying these like much simpler systems you're talking about with like countable neurons and maybe like so like if the, there's some wasp species like like every vertebrate has the full architecture in a sense even though it's a little bit different and so like you can go to like the minimal vertebrate the basic the, brain the yeah, basic the ba brain and so like would something like when these wasps be like the most basic of all basic brains that show no, i think i think the uh, the whole the whole uh design is different because it's much more distributed Damn. the uh, the <laughs> in, uh, non well different i mean it's it's distributed in the sense of um you know they have uh computation in in different parts of the body it's not it's not all in one place the computation in 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 the mammalian brain or in the vertebrate brain i should say the vertebrate brain uh the, it's all concentrated in one place in the brain in the brain is a single is a single entity with with uh, connections you know sensory and, and motor connections the nerves in and out of the brain but it's one brain but in in um in uh, in the invertebrates there are uh the, the computation so in other words invertebrate in the in the vertebrates the computation is all done in one place different parts of the brain but it's all done in the, in a brain whereas in the invertebrates the computations are done in various parts of the body and there are cross connections uh, between the different computational centers are they called ganglion and in invertebrates? Or? Well, they call ganglia, but they're really um, ganglia. Uh, yeah, they're called ganglia, but because uh, a ganglion is a cluster of neurons, so it's really yeah. It's, you could say it's ganglia, uh, uh, but the the this more than ganglia because ganglia, like in the autonomic system in in the in the vertebrates, though they don't really do computation, they just they're really transmission centers. Uh, the the uh, uh, the sympathetic chain ganglia, the superior cervical ganglion, you know, the mesenteric ganglia. They they just they really just transmit. But in the in the in invertebrates, they really do different kinds of computation. And like in the octopus, there's some you know in the eye, and then in in in, in limbs, things like that. It's it, so the the computational centers are distributed in the local parts of the body that do different functions. So more so it's a very sophisticated, less integrated peripheral processing is happening it's, it's, closer to the it was closer to the point yeah. the the required uh, whatever's required has local computation you know different different body parts doing different functions uh, have their computational centers right near where they're doing it.
like so each of the a, it's a different, like, for instance, would be locally doing like the adjustments. To yeah, it's, so it's a different it's a different uh, layout. It's a different concept of control systems. How um, at what point within this hierarchy um, going from like the the vertebrate uh, uh, ganglia to like working our way into cortex. At what point do you do we start to get sophisticated computation? Would you say where it's like we're, like you would call it like meaningfully to say it computes? Well, I'm, I would say that in the case of the wasp, that is definitely computation because how can it recognize? How can it remember the orientation of pebbles around each of a dozen different? Um, uh, uh, burrows where each of its larvae is. I mean, it's 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 recognizing because when when he changed the 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 uh, uh, the, the configuration of the pebbles around a burrow, the the wasp got lost. They couldn't they couldn't identify they couldn't find the burrow. So they obviously have a map of the of the uh, surrounding environment. Is it a map though, or a cue triggered routing? Like where it's like, there's like the, the sensory impression and then this triggers like different like uh, patterns of like left, right, left, given the impressions. Like, is there actually though in some, cause like the, you, we get spatial character like organismic egocentric, like spatial character when we get to the central complex but is that somehow hosting a map or is there some sort of logic built in to like they're like it's not dopamine it's like or is it dopamine it's like octopamine i forget but the whatever the mushroom bodies are being sculpted by like kind of basal ganglia like is it a series of like left right lefts that if occasioned by the right stimulus combinations can function as a map but it's actually a series of routes a series of what routes it's like or, or a series of like if you're here go here or here go there but there's no like place where there's like a, a map that could be exact to the degree there's flexibility, it's because it's just multiple views and multiple uh, ways of seeking in. Or is there actually like a data structure? Well, I mean, there has to be a data structure because how does it know? How, how does it? It has a different. How does it know which which map to use if it has a dozen different maps? Okay, let's say you creates a map when when it when it digs the burrow, it creates a map of the surrounding. Uh, uh, environment of course how does it know the difference between pebbles and and other things uh, so it has a map of of you know like a photograph of of its of its burrow and then it goes on to the next burrow and it, it has a different photograph so how does it know which which photograph to use when you know so uh, it's still it's still a highly co highly complex function and there's got to be memory involved it's not just a little robot if you could make a robot like that that would be really impressive but you know i don't think i don't think it's possible to create a robot with so few elements as the number of neurons in a i mean maybe it, we could learn from uh, you know maybe computer science can learn from the damn wasp hmm. some sort of combination of recurrence and like a current reservoir and like a lot of morphological computation yeah like and then and then the selection there's got to be the selection of which one to follow 
when it comes to vertebrates though i'm wondering like but like you, you were saying that the, the like the um what would be like like, like these peripheral uh, densities of neurons you're saying are doing more um, almost routing or just like getting you the signal rather than doing like a more of a sophisticated logic in a contrary you're saying it's more distributed the computation and things like insects but in vertebrates it becomes more centralized yeah. so I guess what I'm wondering is at what point um, do we get more sophisticated uh, invertebrates uh, computation as you move from like the peripheral ganglia to the central structure. So like, um, like Damasia, for instance, what maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's a question of the speed of conduction. Maybe it's more efficient to have related functions physically close to each other because uh, the, 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 the physical proxy, because it takes time for uh, action potential to travel along neurons. It takes time. So, and, and, you know, in the, vertebrate brain related functions are close to each are physically close to each other uh, so you know uh, 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 there's the the idea of the the uh, auditory cortex is close to broca's area that is uh, which is uh, where uh, speech is uh, uh, controlled and it's close to wernicke's area which is where interpretation of uh, spoken words is interpreted. And it's close also to the motor control of the mouth. Uh, so they're all uh, located basically adjacent to each other. And what that, they, the f in the brain. Um, so that could- Is it, because, it's the, a, is it, is it, is it because we're establishing a hierarchy, would you say? It's a well. It's a hierarchy, but but the the like a hierarchy um, of perception and a hierarchy of, of like action control, like yeah yeah. Like it's, well, area, it's, it's like it's like a, a hierarchical it's control. A sequential process, a sequential yeah. process of the input, the uh, computation, and the output. And the, uh, when it's something like speech, it's all um, it's it's all they're, they're physically close to each other. And what that facilitates is the speed of conduction between the different systems literally speed of conduct i mean the speed of conduction or the not the speed of conduction but the the uh, latency of the conduction in other words by being close to, to each other uh the, the 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 different parts can communicate with each other with shorter latency rather than having to go from the front to the back and greater They're, economy uh, it's greater economy. It's it's well, greater economy, faster and more efficient. Faster and more efficient. Uh, you know, and you know there was a there's a really beautiful study by Howard Poisner, uh, who used to be at uh, at Rutgers, and then he uh, got uh, pirated away to uh, San Diego uh, Scripps Institute. But he did this beautiful study of uh, talking about the function of Broca's area, because when you know this you know, Wernicke's area is supposed to be the interpretation, Broca's area is supposed to be production of speech, and um, and that's in, next to the auditory cortex for the sensory input, and and uh, next to the mo to the mouth uh, for the production of, of of speech. So, but what is the function? What is what is uh, Broca's area really doing? So what he did, he, he had a, he looked at people who had a stroke 
of Broca's area. But not only did not only was he studying the stroke, but he was studying people who were deaf from birth who had stroke. So it was a, a limited sample. He had to look, he had to do a lot of searching to find these people. So it was people who were deaf from um, birth and who had a stroke when they were adults. And the, the reason for doing that was because they were deaf from birth, they use sign language. They use sign language, not verbal speech. And then when they had a, a stroke in Broca's area that damaged Broca's area, the question was, what would happen to their sign language? What would happen to the, their signing? Because it's, it's not related to the, uh, to the mouth. It's not related to literal speech production. And what he found, what do you think he found? Mm. And I mean, in the past, my first impulse would have been that, like, if you thought of Broca's area as something like um, pre-motor cortex, or rather supplementary motor area or something for the, for the vocal apparatus, I would have expected that um, because, because of maybe like a hardwired, um, not hardwired, but at least reliably assembled, like, location of function because of where the body plan comes into the brain, that basically that area would have still been dedicated to the mouth more than the hand. And so I would have expected it to be preserved potentially, like that, that some other part of cortex would have taken on the Broca's area rather than like what normally we use. It would have been closer to where the hand first inputs. So I would have, I would expect it maybe to be preserved. And I suspect I'm wrong. You are wrong. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> a hypothesis well that's hypothesis testing it's in it's very instructive yeah because what it means is that broca's area even though it's connected to the mouth area even though it's right there nevertheless it's not broca's area is really producing uh it, it's really generating the speech it's 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 uh yeah, the concept it's 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 involved in the concept of of uh, or the concept and produce production of the expression of okay so speech i got so it's not note. the motor it's it's not motor it's integrate it's it's computational creating the output of speech and it's screwed up their ability to sign so I want to I want to try to make as many things sensory motor as I can, but this this might be um uh, I don't know, special pleading or uh, trying trying to do too much. But could so like what would like the adaptations look like? I'm wondering if there's a sense that would make this a general semantic production or slash like basically a source of grammar, like a source of like um like thinking of all motor skill in terms of grammar in terms of having like a kind of like um, nested hierarchical structure with a, with a syntax so things happen in the right order. And that if maybe like something like Hox genes uh, reliably established around that area, maybe a, a kind of like connectivity with the stratum, maybe within the area, like a right type of like fine tuning of the layers and cell types, it just makes it really good for the kind of sequencing. I'm wondering if we could still think of it kind of motorically, but it's at such like a high level and it's so well connected that regardless of the modality, 
it will still take on this like semantic production grammar property, still though as a kind of very high level motor skill. I don't know if that will work, but I like, I've been wondering like how much of like language. Well, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's probably, it, cre it creates the, uh, it synthesizes the, the auditory input and this, and the meanings into a, um, uh, a, of 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 a a language a language formulation like a grammar it, it creates a grammar which uh, has an output and it can have an output to um, it has the, the 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 idea of creating words the concept of words uh, is what apparently the broker's area is doing. It's creating the concept of words and it has a motor output and it, the motor output could go to various places. It can go to, um, so in, I mean, in other words, in, in people who are deaf from birth, who, who don't speak, but they use sign language, they are creating a grammar to break broker's area is creating a grammar and the grammar output is kind of a pre like you're saying a kind of a pre-motor output but the pre it's it's a it's a formula the, the, the broker's area is creating a language formula that can then go out to the motor system controlling the the mouth or it can go to the hands controlling the fingers which is sign language that's normal so because it's cre it's 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 integrating the the understanding of the integrating the auditory input with the understanding or the interpretation of the auditory input you know language i mean wernicke's era is probably doing uh, you know involved in translation so it, it brings in the sound interprets the sound goes to broca's area broca's area produces the the words the uh, a formula for words, and then that formula can be transmitted to the motor, the mouth system, or to the hand system for speech or for um, sign language. So it's the the Broca's area is creating the language formula. The 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 words it's creating words. In this way, it's neither perceptual Grammar. nor sensory neatly. It's like, I it's like just it. right. It's something, it's beyond, yeah. it's integrative. It's so know? high up. It's so integrative that it's like action. It's neither, cycles, it's neither wanna... sensory nor motor. It, it's both. It's, it's a, it's a. And then some, it's, it's both plus. Creation of, of, it's a creation of a, of, of a formula. And the formula can be expressed in different, with different motor outputs. So with we could probably people, let's say people who were born without arms, who are deaf and born without arms, they might be able to speak with their toes. They might be able to use sign language or 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 control a computer with their toes, which they can do. I mean, there are there are cases, I don't know about deaf, but people uh, so people who don't have arms. Um, use their can use their toes to com 
to control a computer, a, a laptop. They, I mean, I've seen that. So, um, you know, there's the, it's the, the, the it's the concept, the, 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 the conceptualization and then the conversion into a, a, a code, a motor type code, a motor code. A motor That's what low broker's area is doing. Type of sophistication that it could, could support something like syntax and grammar. Yeah. Regardless of how it's expressed. That's right. And so it's expression, like the expression, sculpting, the, the expression is variable sequences, but it's high up enough. It, it, it's true. It happens to be close to the mouth bits for the economy, but it's really the optimization. It's not just that, but the optimization for language will happen regardless. And that it will be it's some sort of local tuning and straight old, like tuning of like the connection to like the straight and gets it so that it could do like hierarchical structuring of sequences so that it yeah. can do and can but also though you're saying something else you're saying it's also though and the question is i wonder how much it does this on its own and how much it's dependent on wernicke's area for this in terms of um basically and thereby linking it to meanings and so i'm wondering so wernicke's area so it's like there's the meaning of the inaction maybe in broca's area that's flexible and multimodal but then the meaning on the perception side of the cycle where by the time we're this high they're both completely um uh uh, confused, entangled, entwined. Yeah, yeah, entangled, yeah. Yeah, but I'm wondering, so, okay, so Warnicke's area, to what extent um, are we getting to a level of abstraction that we would call meaning, and what do we mean by meaning? <laughs> um, well, I mean, meaning has to involve memory because you have input coming in and what is this pattern has to be related to something previously because they by by matching the the pattern of input with a previous pattern then that uh, summates and produces an output and you know the idea of match. If you have something, when the, whatever comes in, a pattern that comes in um, will activate a, uh, a, a it will activate a group of uh, neurons that are already. Um, uh, more sensitive to that pattern, whichever, you know, look. Can we it, say resonance? It's, it's really, it's, it, it, let, me, let, me try to, let me try to explain this because I, I understand something here. And it's really a very, a very basic idea, I think, that you have a, that a pattern comes in, let's say a word, a pattern comes in, a pattern of neural activity, it activates a certain group of neurons in the auditory cortex. It has different frequencies that has different intervals between the different syllables, things like that. It's a pattern that activates a certain group of neurons in the auditory cortex. Now, that audit, that the auditory cortex has output. Now, the output, when the output goes to, to throughout the brain, there is at some place in the brain, 
there is already a, uh, in, in the memory system, because it has to be a memory system, the memory system, I think the memory system can be understood as a differential um, lower threshold places that, you know, if you have a, an input that keeps coming in repeatedly, it lowers the threshold of that pathway. That, that's, and, and that, re, that's persi that persists. I mean, that's what memory is. It's a persistent lowering of, of a particular threshold in a, in a particular group of neurons. So a particular group, a, a particular con uh, constellation of neurons has a, through memory, has a persistent lowered threshold. And it's, it's in, it incredibly complex, but it, you can imagine it like being a, a total matrix, a three-dimensional matrix, and with, 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 with millions of billions of, of uh, pathways connecting them. And somewhere, somewhere in that matrix, when you have an input come, come in, somewhere in that matrix is a region of, I mean, everywhere in the matrix, there are, there are connection, there are lower threshold connections everywhere. But, and it's, it's, it's you know, essentially uniform. But if you have an input that flows in, that pattern is going to activate a, an existing, wherever it is, where there's some pattern of lower threshold that is going to be activated by the incoming pattern. And when that happens, the summation is going to give an, a particular output. And that particular output is what is salient in the brain at that instant. So that is how the that is i think that is what meaning is because that input has activated a particular existing low threshold system and the combination produces a unique output at that instant and that unique output is what would say go to broca's area so it's the it's that it's that uh Combinate, it's the summation between a some particular unique pattern of input, a word that which is a unique pattern of input that activate that that summates with some with a with a low threshold system wherever that is, and it could be in in distributed through the through the matrix, and it's it's the memory matrix, and that will by very by basic neurophysiology that will activate that will summate with that low threshold system and activate it still more and that will give an output that pat a patterned output which will be the same as the memory and that i think is the recognition or the um, understanding or the meaning of that input it's so the, the meaning is the, the meaning is related to is the, memory. the memory is the particular resonance established with response to a particular situation and the stimuli and state you're likely to be in will then cause for a given set of um, will then 
So for a given state or a given set of inputs and what you're doing, this will invoke a given set distributed, uh, basically ensembles of neurons that can activate better where there are thresholds because they're, uh, the, the flow paths are established. The, 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 the vibration, right. set up the flow path. That's a, those are nice ideas. The, the flow paths. I mean, the, uh, uh, yeah. What, 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 what do you call, what did you, did you call it an assembly of An ensemble? Um, ensemble. Okay. I like the idea. Those are good words. The ensemble of, of the ensemble of the low threshold connect the, the low threshold ensemble will match the, um, the ink will be activated by that, that particular pattern um, because it's, it's an existing low threshold ensemble. And that when that, when that happens, it gives us, it's a summated input. It makes it, it, it strengthens the output. It be, creates a particular flow. What, what, that was the other a particular set of flow paths or flow paths invoked like abstract it, vibration it, it triggers it triggers a particular flow path so that is how the input affects the memory affects the flow output and the flow output is a strengthened pattern it's it's a uh, it's a it's a translation of the auditory input into a efferent pathway in Wernicke's area that's probably related, Wernicke's area probably related to the hippocampus, which then produces the, the flow, uh, the, the output flow into Broca's area that, uh, hmm. that, that must also be related, well, related to the memory system and um, and that uh, creates the the um, I, I, you know I haven't thought that one through, but that um, would create the formula for the word, the 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 grammar, the grammatical the the grammatical formula, um, and that produces the output that can go to various motor outputs. Something like that. It's interesting you brought in the hippocampus. And now I'm starting to wonder about connectivity between Wernicke's area, Broca's area, and the hippocampus. Because I was must thinking be, about, must be. I was thinking about like when I was thinking about like so the place, in addition to taking us to the mind is music, I was trying to think of like all grammar as a kind of motor skill, but all motor skill as a kind of grammar. But then so absolutely, was, absolutely. It, it is a grammar. The, yeah. I mean, I was focusing on the stratum, I was forgetting the hippocampus. And so the hippocampus, we're kind of coming back to maps and graphs. It's capable of doing like these sequent, like the hippocampus is, you know, it's great at mapping. So now I'm wondering how much of language is involving actually like mapping and, and how much of grammar and speech production and meaning making is actually involving the hippocampal system, kind of mapping things out or allowing us to traverse graphs. Well, it has to have a map of, I mean, if it's a visual input, um, it, it's it's got to be involved in the uh, in the it has to receive it has to receive the the uh, uh, a particular pattern uh, encoding the the sens the sensory input uh, and that 
would have to activate a, uh, you know, a, a matrix, an ensemble of neurons in the hippocampus that that those they become activated by that particular pattern, and they become they respond to the to the to the orientation to the map. I mean, that's the they're the map. They are an output of the map. They create a, a map output. So, uh, and then that could go to uh, you know would have to go to the motor to the motor system to the striatum to express it. But so they must be the, the hippocampus is not does not respond to sensory input per se. It doesn't. There are no direct sensory inputs into the hippocampus. It's got to the inputs have to the hippocampus have to come from someplace. So so it, it, it's probable that that the auditory input goes into Wernicke's area, which Wernicke's area connects to the to the hippocampus. I, I would say that the, uh, the, the the since the sequence is like that, it might be that that Wernicke's area is more directly connected to the hippocampus than is Broca's area because Broca's area may the the output from the combination of Wernicke's area and hippocampus may uh, may be sufficient information. It may, in other words, the the Wernicke's area may may put input into the hippocampus and the combination of Wernicke's area and hippocampus gives it maybe giving an output to Broca's area. So Broca's area may be responsive to Wernicke and hippocampus, but not directly. It doesn't, maybe, I don't know. Maybe Broca's area doesn't give a direct input into hippocampus. It may just get a response. May could, just respond to hippocampal could, output. I'm wondering if, like, the hippocampus and Wernicke's area might be connected to posterior, like at least in the human, the posterior part of the longitudinal axis. And that what's the what, what, what do you so, mean? So, like, the longi you, what's like, the longitudinal axis? So, like in, in like humans, it kind of like goes like ant posterior to anterior the hippocampus. And I'm wondering if the posterior hippocampus is more closely related to Wernicke's area, and the anterior is more closely related to, to um, Broca's area. I'm wondering if like. Well, I, I, I like look the, the, the ant. Um, well, I don't know because the fornix, the output that. from the hippocampus, the fornix uh, carries input, uh, carries uh, response. I mean, the fornix, uh, the the fornix uh, carries output all the way from the posterior to the anterior hippocampus. I don't. I, I you know, one thing. Uh, there's a question about the hippocampus. I always wonder, does does the theta wave uh, travel longitudinally through the hippocampus in time you know they is it established that i think it does are they, are they there's this there's i, I forget it's like a wave does a wave does it does a wave start in the key, i think start in the posterior and 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 travel to the anterior i believe so so says schnatsky and butsaki i think both have some Busaki work I think they have some recent work. That would be really, that waves. would make it, that would simplify things. That would really, that would really, uh, you know, I mean, it would make sense because then you, that, that if each theta wave is traversing, is, is systematically traversing the, the, the structure, I mean, the hippocampus is basically shaped like a banana. So if you start from the, the, uh, 
the the tip of the the, the you know the 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 tip of the banana and the, the fornix the fornix is like the stem of the banana you know that's because that's only the stem of the banana doesn't contain the fruit the stem of the banana is just the, the now you is, tell is me. purely is, what i said now you tell me the stem of the banana the stem of the banana is just the the um uh the the, the uh, uh the the rind of the banana peel the stem of the banana just contains the peel and fornix right? is just the white matters that are white, and, the, and, and the, the banana the fruit of the banana the part we eat is really the gray matter of the of the hippocampus and the alveus which is the white surrounding of the uh, of uh, the, the the alveus is the is the white matter that encapsulates the the uh, the hippocampus the 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 alveus is like the banana peel and the alveus uh, uh you know start, it co covers the whole hippocampus and then if it fiber it it, it f filters down into the stem which becomes the fornix because the fornix is just uh fibers white matter and, and that so, goes to the mammillary bodies, correct? And it goes to the, well, yeah, it goes to the mammillary bodies. It many right, but it also, it goes to the septum. It goes to, uh, to the septum and to the mammillary bodies primarily. And probably has distributions uh, along the way. But uh, yeah, the, yeah, the, the fornix uh, is the, yeah, it goes, it goes uh, anatomically, cl most clearly, it goes uh, to, the, to the mammillary bodies. But it also ends, there are, there are fibers that end in the septum. In terms of like the integration, there, right. there, there's a sense so, in which we're most integrative, and now this is outputting to yeah. the, the highest so, level of control. Yeah, so it would be really neat if the if there's this traveling wave of the of each theta wave travels from the uh, the the other end of the banana into the stem, and and each and that and then along the way is the temporal space the spatio-temporal organization of the hippocampus as as it, like if you imagine uh, a series if, if you imagine that the that the hippocampus is really a stack of checkers uh, uh or it's it, it, or a series of discs like if you cut a banana into 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 discs then that's what the hippocampus is, and each disc has its own uh, integrative thing. And then you start. Then then the, each theta wave starts at the end of the banana and comes all the way around one wave. And that would that would mean that you have different type. You have different uh, checkers, different chips. Each one is a chip. Let's you can say it, it's a checker, but each checker is a computer chip. And you have a you have a, a spatial you have a spatial sequence of those, like like a stack of checkers, but it's also temporally uh, uh, coded because though if the if the theta wave starts at the end and makes its way in time to the stem, then you're you're activating different chips. At different moments of the wave of the of the of the phase of the theta wave. I mean, if that you know that could be like the simplest. Uh, if that's the simplest arrangement, it would make it very simple because then you could have different outputs 
spatially determined. And then that would give the reason why you have certain functions occurring at certain phases of the theta wave. Because the, they, the, the outputs occur at, you know, like, like the, the fastest reaction time or when, when the rat presses the lever at a particular phase of each theta wave, even though there could be many theta waves in between. But when they make the decision, when they make the output, it occurs at a particular phase. And what we found with the, with the rats uh, releasing the lever, they release the lever at a different phase of the theta wave than uh, when they press the lever. So it's a different output. It was a different motor output. So different motor, different uh, motor outputs occur at different phases of the theta wave. And that could be because you have different commands at different chips, different uh, uh, checkers along, along the way of the, along the length of the hippocampus. And so it's, it's, not only a spatial organization, but it's a it's a temporal organization. It's a spatio-temporal organization. Let's let's say the the uh, I mean, just for sake of argument, that the output to the to the pressing of the bar occurs uh, near the near the uh, tip of the banana, and the output to the lifting of the bar occurs near the stem of the banana, and so. That's why you would have that diff those different motor outputs occurring at a different phase of the theta because they're being controlled from different places in the hippocampus. It, I mean, it, 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 it could all be a, this beautiful, I mean, I'm sure this is way oversimplification, but you know, if you think of that as the ideal case, at least it's a hypothesis that can be tested. Or maybe it's not a simplification. Maybe it has a kind of, maybe it has that kind of elegance. So it's like you're getting this traveling wave starting from the anterior going back to the posterior hippocampus. The anterior is the tip of the banana, and so as it's moving through, and if you're looking at the segments of your your oh, wait, slice, I, I'm thinking I'm thinking the other way around that the the tip of the banana oh, is, as a, the tip of the banana as opposed to the stem of the banana, the tip of the banana. Is thinking? the post is the posterior hippocampus, and the stem of the banana is the anterior hippocampus because that's where the fornix is going from. It's going out. Okay, so that's different than okay. So, so it's coming from the it's coming from the tip out to the stem. The, so the theta wave starts at the tip and 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 passes along the length of the banana out to the stem, out to the fornix. So that would be considered consistent, uh, consistent with Reddish's work. Where he's showing, like, as the rodent is doing this choice behavior, you're getting these anticipatory sweeps of the play cells, where you're seeing like these trajectories play out, where one will activate sequentially to the other, and this would be for the rodent like navigating, but for us it could be like space in a kind of generalized sense, like just wherever we are, um, it's really moving from past to future, where whether you're actually moving through space uh, of a conceptual space or a physical space, but Basically, the segments of the banana going now posterior to anterior, where the posterior would be the tip of the banana, and then the as you move anterior, you're actually moving through space time or time space, right. and then you're now through the fornings. The white matter bu bundle is getting integrated, going up along, and then 
um, basically uh, one of its primary outputs would be mammillary bodies and septum, but at the septum, you're at this highest level of the hypothalamic control column, like the most right. integrated right. in the GAC. So you're like, <clears throat> right. So, but now these are also, so you're both modulating and responding to the most central organismic need. Right. And the mammal, the mammal, uh, the, the mammillary bodies, uh, the main project, there are two main projections from the mammillary bodies. Well, the main one main one is the mammalothalamic tract, which is, uh, uh, what a tra track of Vic Desir. There's two. Uh, what? Well, I didn't know yeah, the, What's the second oh, one? Yeah. Well, the, the main one is the mammalothalamic tract, and then there's also an output uh, down the brainstem. In the in the, uh, uh, I think the medial forebrain. Uh, no, no. The the um, uh, uh, medial longitudinal tract or something. There, there is a there's a a major output from the hip from the mammillary bodies down the brainstem is it two like neck neck apparatus or is it going somewhere different because like one of the primary inputs oh, i've heard i'm from not the sure body where, is stretch receptor information from the neck is potentially important for um as an input to the mammillary bodies so is it stretch, going stretch receptor why why the why what is um, that so what's the function I've, I've been wondering whether like with like the the head position the head position basically helping to move things into an egocentric reference frame. Like, so like oh, where the oh. snout is pointed. Oh yeah. Okay. So like but if you're integrating it, like basically establishing a point of view, I'm, I'm wondering if, cause the mammothalamic track, I think it hits what then like anterior right. lateral nucleus cingulum. Yeah. Then, then it goes into the limbic system. And so I'm wondering the, if the the cingulum and part back of into the hippocampus is where was your head via the stretch receptors. But, um, well, but there is a major output. I, I can't remember exactly the name of the of the of the fiber pathway, but it's it's a major uh, output down into the brainstem, down the brainstem. It's in the I mean, it's in the brainstem, but it's, it's down descending. Is it there's an up there's an upstream, there's a mammalothalamic, and then there's the the um, descending uh, pathway. I'm wondering if it's basically a kind of like motor motoric biasing like is it for instance actually influencing where the um, animal points its head like is it actual helping physically orient um or or is it like like what else like is, is it like is it helping it could, to it's a mo part of it is could be motor sure sure it has to huh. by the way it's it's after 11. oh no so so, so and okay, we did so, not get to so, okay so we touched on um basically uh principles of nervous system organization across uh insects and vertebrates uh centralized and distributed uh computation and what we might mean by that uh meanings <laughs> meanings of meanings and the nature of control of language and motors so motor skill is grammar and grammar is motor skill but also ways in which by the time you get to this level of meaning, this action perception cycles that are so useful start to get a little bit confused. Um, and confused then, meaning um, uh, entangled. Yeah. In, in the good sense. Uh, integrated, oh. <laughs> integrated. That's, yeah, integrated. And so we did not- Coordinated. Uh, coordinated, integrated, entangled, um, entwined.
but we did not get to uh, some of your ideas about, which I, I want to get to soon about um, uh, quasi homuncular body-like control and integration process. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I want to get into your ideas on that later. We're not going to really have time for that now, but I want to yeah. go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of wide ranging, and also, of course, phase of of uh, the phase of the of movement in relation to the theta wave. The theta wave hippocampal system and basically taking space time or time space into the brain, into the organism. And, and, the, and actually, oh. actually, the, the fact and, and actually another very important principle is speed of conduction. I mean, this, the, the um, speed of relationship among different brain regions, because that's very important. Uh, because if they're too far apart, it's not efficient. If, they, if, if, if it takes too long for information to get from one place to another place, that's less efficient than if it's if if, if the region two regions doing related functions are close to each other, then they can communicate between them much much more much faster and more efficiently, and that is a principle of brain organization. Location, location, location 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 because of time so time and locate time and distance time and space we're talking about time and space in the brain it's really it's really it's really it's real it's it's a real factor of of um, of, of developing an efficient system an efficient computational system to to have related functions close to each other in space because by being close to each other in space there's less intervals between the communication it's, the communication is faster it's like the difference between uh, uh, writing uh, uh, you know writing a, a letter on paper and, and sending it by the mail versus email the the speed of in, the speed of communication can make a big difference in the efficiency of, of, of functioning. It efficiency, could, be, could you coordinate at all the ensembles? Like if you can't get them to communicate within an integrated enough way quickly enough, they won't be able to coordinate and they won't be an ensemble. They'll that's right. So, and, and the way of doing that is by putting them close together. And so now I'm wondering the extent to which basically now we do want to talk about maps and that basically yeah, the maps of is, mapping is very important self-organizing yeah, yeah. properties based on minimal um the the fastest flows first or the most efficient like the least action most efficient flows whether this naturally in some centralized structures induces map-like topographic properties right. in terms of their dynamics can reflect the world so to what and there is there are, there are maps yeah. there are body maps at at all different levels of the there's body map in the spinal cord the body map in the uh, nucleus gracilis and cuneatus in the uh, in the medulla uh, there's body map in the thalamus there's body map in the cortex in the sensory cortex and the body map in the motor cortex so next time That's i really want to focus on body maps in the brain okay sure them. sure they're the literal maps i mean it's not it's not you know, in other words, if you stick an electrode in one place in the in the spinal cord, you get a response to a flexor muscle of the arm. Uh, if you stick it in a different place in the spinal cord, you get a you get a an extensor muscle in the leg, and it's systematically organized. 
there are pictures of this. There are literal pictures showing the body represented in the in the uh, spinal cord, body represented in the uh, in the medulla where the nucleus and gracilis uh, uh, carry the sensory input from the body. There has to be because otherwise it would be chaotic. How would you get the information from, say, um, a bee sting on your finger into the right place in the in the brain? So it, it has to be it has to be topographically organized. It is couple and topographic you, multimodal body to, couple topographic multi-scale body maps along the hierarchy. Exactly. All along at yeah. every at and every next time, let's go deep at every relay point. Maps. At every relay point. So the spinal cord is one relay point from the sensory input. The the uh, medulla is a second uh, relay point uh, with the nucleus and gracilis uh, cuneatus. And at each uh, point, the map. It, there's a map at each point. There are pictures of it. There are pic, literal pic, body maps shown in you know in pictures on paper. Um, and then the same thing in the sensory thalamus. How high the head is one place? Go and how do they change? But next yeah. time, next time. <laughs> and they change and they can be changed like with amputation after amputation. Yeah. And, uh, and in the sensory cortex and the motor cortex. Yeah. Uh, so okay. to be continued. Next week or will it have to be uh, 1030? Okay. Well, um, okay. okay. I'll, I'll, we'll figure I'll it out. That down. Okay. We'll figure okay. it out. Okay. Adam, have a good week. You too. You really, you really, uh, you know, you have this unique ability to trigger my, I, you know, I, uh, I'm putting all these things together as, on the, on the fly, you know, I'm, I'm sort of thinking about them at different, you know, at different times, but now, you know, you sort of focus me. It's really very, very exciting for me to do this because I'm clarifying things for myself. We improvise well together, I think. Yeah, we do. We do. Okay. So take care. Have a good week. You too. Okay. Take care.